Political representation matters, right? We have more people at the table, more opinions are being heard, more groups are being included in the decision-making representing what they need. In short, is that even a question? Of course it's like that. But another question that we should ask is, what we're seeing and what looks like political representation, is it always meaningful or can it be just a facade sometimes? And the answer to that question is sadly yes, it can be a, only a facade sometimes. In this episode, I wanted to give you three quick examples where you can identify that oof, it's not as promising, it's not as hopeful as it sounds. And that maybe in some cases there's an agenda why this facade is being presented like this. So thank you for being here. It's a very compact episode. And let me begin. The first example that I wanted to give to you today comes from the UK, where I was recently myself, and I thought, oh my goodness, an opportunity to talk about this. And what's been happening in the UK, well, I'm not going to summarize this turmoil in a minute, but basically two, two actually, I thought I would say one, no, two, two last prime ministers resigned, and now we have a new one. Uh, was he democratically elected? No, he was pushed by his party, and uh, his name is Rishi Sunak, and he's not a white man. And we can say, well, that's some progress, right? Because inclusion matters, representation matters, once again. And I think to some extent we can say yes, because racism always plays a role in people's lives, so it doesn't matter what your class, status, whatever it is, there are things that you cannot buy yourself out of. So for anyone who is not white, let's say, to rise up to a power where traditionally it has been in the hands of white men, it's a big deal. And in this case, we can say it is a deal. But when we look into Rishi's upbringing, like rich family, uh, posh education, and the fact that he belongs to a party that is not progressive, that's regressive or reactionary even, right? The conservative party that traditionally it's not about diversity and inclusion and saying, hey, this country is for everyone. Then why would we think that suddenly, just because of his looks, he would represent a different way, a different approach? I think we'd like to be hopeful for it, but looking at his life, <laughs> basically. But more specifically, the political affiliation to expect a lot of change, a lot of what, going to center-left, that's not likely, right? So it looks good, we can say, hey, at least it's not a white man, but in the end, it is all about the policies and who are they helping and are they helping in a way, are they taking into consideration people who we assume look like you and so we assume they have the same kind of life? No. So we have to understand what's happening here. Another example comes from my own country, Lithuania, where we had elections a couple of years ago and we now have more, more women in not the parliament, but in the government. And 
Here, we can say, actually, statistically, the inclusion of women, we have research, it shows that, yes, in domestic policy, it's likely, right, with a percentage of women in various government bodies rising, it's more likely that certain issues are being brought at the table. Like, for example, hey, now suddenly someone's mentioning that, hey, maybe the streets are not very safe because there's no lighting, and maybe access to childcare sucks, and maybe... There are problems with elderly care because all of these things affect women more. And so now we have someone who has the power to make decisions and influence change who are saying that we have to address this. So, of course, that's how political representation works. And these are the benefits that it brings that suddenly groups who are not aware or don't care, which is even worse, right, about certain issues. Now they're sort of forced to think about them and to hopefully address them. So that's very much domestic policy, and it could be foreign policy as well. Sadly, in terms of foreign policy, Lithuania has been one of the examples where we think that having more women would result in a more feminist foreign policy that's more inclusive, less aggressive, right? More about diplomacy and, I don't know, human rights maybe. There is that thinking, right? But this was the case that we've seen in other countries with female prime ministers and, you know, various high-level officials in general where women would be very aggressive in their foreign policy. And instead of changing it, they would play into that, I'm going to use this word like aggressive masculine kind of approach. So you're not at a table because you bring something different. You're at a table because you blend in. And Lithuania, that was very clearly seen when we had not the white Ukrainians, the non-white, non-Ukrainian refugees coming to Lithuania, I think it was from two years ago to a year ago, and how they were treated. And there is a report by Amnesty detailing the inhumane conditions, the inhumane treatment, the violence, the lack of access to showers and just very basic hygiene uh, items and the insults and and just how people were treated once again because you know not not white obviously and how then when government officials were confronted about it they would just say no that was humane that was our policy and you think cool then okay you because you said it was okay then i guess i guess it's okay so it's a very, very sad example of just dehumanizing violent policies that we would think that maybe some kind of inclusion there in politics we wouldn't have, but no. And finally, my last example, it's the most obvious, but we have to talk about it. And it's kind of maybe the most grotesque, even I would say, you know, it's a, it's a judgment statement. <laughs> And it's my podcast, so of course you have these statements here. Um, yeah, I mean, yes. And it's the example of the Israeli army that likes to remind the world that, look, we have a lot of women. Women serve in the army with men. And look, we have soldiers from, well, Israeli soldiers now, but from all over the world. Here's this lady from Colombia. Here's this another lady from Ukraine, yes. And this man from Ethiopia. Look how diverse. And you say, yes, the occupier's army 
is very diverse. And you see Palestinian journalists, women, being attacked, pushed, harassed, thrown on the ground, arrested by a female soldier. And you see Israeli settlers being supported, protected, and empowered by when they go and attack elderly Palestinians when they're harvesting their olives, being protected by a young Ethiopian man. Hmm. Look at that diversity. Look at that representation. And when children are being arrested at night and then kept in jails for however long Israel wants to keep them there, without charges, obviously, without access to any uh, adequate legal care, because why would the occupier grant that to the people it's occupying? What justice can we talk about in the first place, right? And when these children are being arrested by this diverse group of soldiers, look, look at that representation, right? So we have to beware the facade. We have to understand if something's being painted over, what's being painted over, why it's being painted over, and what's really underneath. Because sometimes we find really, really horrible things and the facade has to crumble. I hope after listening to this episode, you feel more equipped to notice it. I hope you speak out. And I hope you say that, yes, political representation matters, but is it really representation? And what is it really? Thank you so much for being here and seeing my upcoming episodes.